Welcome to Right on the Mark podcast. And my guest again this week is my good friend, Jana Waller. And I always love talking hunting with Jana. She's a true inspiration and she's a role model to all young girls and women out there in the hunting world. And uh, some of Jana's stories today are going to be about hunting with true life American heroes, including our mutual friend, Mark Osguy. So stay tuned for some great stories from none other than Jana Waller here on Right on the Mark. Right on the Mark, Episode 8, Part 2 of 2, featuring Jana Waller, recorded May of 2021, starts right now. He has hunted all across America and around the world. Rifle, pistol, shotgun, crossbow, compound, traditional, he uses them all. He's an outfitter, an award-winning outdoor television host, and founder of America's only organization fighting to protect every hunter's lifestyle. He's brash, he's bold, he's humorous, and a bit hot-headed. But when it comes to all things God, family, country, and hunting, he's Keith Mark, and he's right on the mark. Welcome back to Right on the Mark podcast. Here with uh, my sidekick, Josh Ishmael, Cam, and we have the legendary Jana Waller. Jana, um, so we have a mutual friend. We have a couple of mutual friends, actually. Uh, I want to talk about uh, Mark Oz, guys, first of 13-Hour uh, Benghazi fame. Uh, you have a great, great uh, story of getting him his first elk. Tell us that. Well, I've always, uh, in the last 10 years, I've, I've grown very passionate about taking veterans hunting. And um, I had met Oz th- um, through mutual friends in the industry, um, I can't exactly remember who it was, but um, stayed in touch with him and he and his wife, Crystal. And he, uh, I asked him, I have an outfit, uh, R&K Hunting in Wyoming and Utah that have been so wonderful and have let me bring a lot of veterans hunting from triple amputee veterans on their first elk hunt to, um, you know, men and women who have just even a post-traumatic stress. But uh, I lined up that hunt at RNK. We actually hunted in Utah and we, it was, it was, it really couldn't have been scripted any better because that first day we saw a few elk uh, from some cows and I think a couple of spikes. Um, second day, same. We weren't really into the numbers. We were doing tons of hiking around. It's just beautiful terrain. They're just rolling big, beautiful mountains. And, uh, but the third day, whoa, did we get into them? And, um, Oz shot a, made a perfect shot on a beautiful bull and it was in these rolling pockets and you just didn't know how many elk were behind the other. When he shot a herd of at least 300 elk took off just, and, and it was, even though it was rifle season, they were still in the late rut. And so the cows were chirping, there was bugles everywhere. They just all ran off through the wood timber and got to be with Oz when he walked up on his bull. And it was just super special. He actually took a moment to uh, carve into a tree, into the trees. Um, I don't know. I don't, I should, I should know my trees, but I don't, but like into the white birch trees, he uh, carved a really neat sort of memorial for the men that we lost in Benghazi. It was really, really special. Wow. Very, very, very cool. Yeah. Oz is just a, you know, he's a great guy. I had him on the podcast um and and you know i mean as you know these veterans uh they oftentimes and mark and john wayne walding they all talk about that the skills that they ultimately became known for um in their heroics in the military 
they actually learned in the elk and deer and in pheasant fields with their dads and grandpas. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It, it's there's so much crossover between hunting and the veteran community. And I've been really, really blessed to share some of actually my favorite moments of my life have been in the field with some of these veterans, even over notching my own incredible tags. It's been with them um, just to watch them, especially the double amputees, watch them climb the mountains. And um, uh, one of my favorite hunts I ever did was with a double amputee Navy SEAL named Bo Richenbeck. And he was just a warrior. He, his prosthetics didn't really work well on the uneven terrain. So he ended up taking them off spinning on these like metal plates on the bottom of his stumps. And he crawled the mountains for eight days. It was incredible. And, uh, and you could tell he was getting really sore. He hadn't used his upper body that much in a long time, but ended up just putting again, a great shot, like 350 yard shot on this bull that just dropped in his tracks and to be with him when, and his dad, it was their first hunt together because when Bo was younger, he really didn't hunt much. Um, he was really into hockey, but to be with them both to get up on that bull and watch him just put his hands around that bull's antlers. And it was so special that actually spurred me to do all my amputee hunts that I do. And at least once a year, I've been really fortunate enough to get a really special veteran out into the elk mountains. And, uh, but it's literally my favorite moments of my life. You know, and coming from somebody who's done outdoor TV for over 10 years, when I watch you and your in your program, um, it, it's almost like I'm I'm there. I'm eavesdropping. I mean, the, you're, you're such a tremendous storyteller in the way you guys put your your programs out. That uh, I mean, the stories that you're telling now is exactly the way the viewers feel when when they're watching. I just congratulate you on that. That's that's a unique talent. <laughs> Well, um, my dad always says I wear my heart in my sleeve, uh, good and bad. Like what you see is what you get. And so I just try to keep it authentic and keep it real. And it is really emotional. And I'm really glad to hear that, that it comes off um, because they're just special moments, not just for the veterans, but for myself. But I can't tell you how many messages I've gotten over the years from people who've watched that and truly been inspired. Uh, people with disabilities and without, you know, sometimes it's, it's human nature to just get caught up in our own trials and tribulations. And, you know, life can be tough sometimes. Yeah. I don't care if you're having financial difficulties, physical ailments, whatever it can be. And when you watch somebody just overcome whatever it may be and to find success and to pour their hearts out and to watch that emotion, it's inspiring and uh, just makes me keep wanting to do it. In fact, I'm really excited to announce that um, I'm going to go back into the archives. I've been thinking a lot about this this last year or two about how all these moments are so special to me, but they're kind of scattered out. You can't, they're not all on carbon TV. Um, a lot of people, my old episodes from Skullbound are on my outdoor TV, MOTV.com, but that's right. a paid subscription based and some people don't have that. And so there's not one place that have my favorite hunts, of veteran hunts all together. And so in 2022, I'm putting together my top 12 veteran hunts that I've done. And I'm so excited to be able to have them all in one season for people to watch. Well, I can't wait to, I can't wait to see that. Um, before, before we uh, let you go, I want you to tell one other story for us. Uh, I know you're a Wisconsin girl that's moved to Montana, uh, but this last uh, season, you actually went back home for a deer hunt. 
um, at the old home place. And that story is just, uh, it's, it's emotional. Tell us that one. Thank you. Well, it wasn't 2020 because of COVID. It was 2019. I had gone, my dad was selling his cabin and that cabin is, was so near and dear to my heart. It's where my dad and I share our hunting together. And, uh, for the last 20 years and, he had had it on the market for years, but just never found the right buyer. And, uh, but he found the buyer and he told me it was about, uh, it was just the beginning of the fall season. And he said, I think we've got a buyer, but I've worked it out. We'll have one more fall season together up there. If you can come home for the rifle hunt. And, you know, my dad never, he never even got up there any archery season. He just wasn't, he's getting a little up there in years. Sorry, dad. Um, but he uh, just, he's almost 80. He just isn't getting up there as much as he was. No one had been up there during archery season. I hadn't hunted it since the previous year, but the, the reason this hunt is so special is because it was my last hunt at the cabin, but it's old school hunting. It's just, there's no trail cameras up. There's no food plots up. It's just all of us are my family and, and some family friends scattering about in the woods and kind of crossing your fingers, if you will, you know, and there's that you can, obviously you can pick where they might be traveling to or from bedding areas and such, but it's old school hunting. In fact, on the drive up there is so funny. My dad was telling the story about his father's hunting camp at a different wow. location, but he said, you know, it's everybody, they didn't put a whole lot of effort. Our grandfathers didn't put a whole lot of effort like we do these days. It was about that camaraderie about right. getting together and smoking the stogies and having a beer. And you know, and my, my dad used to, my dad joked and he said, his dad used to say nothing ruins a good old Wisconsin deer camp, like someone getting a deer down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but 100%. on this particular, yeah. So I only had two days to hunt. Um, I decided to go back to a big ratty old box blind. That was the first stand I ever hunted in, you know, with my dad 20 years ago there. And like, it's a good thing. I went Friday to go check it out. I walked up the rickety old stairs and um, tried to get into the box blind and it, the door was warped shut. I had to literally football drill myself into the blind um all the windows are broke out but two you know the the roof's caving in and it's just it needs to be bulldozed but i'm like i'm gonna sit here this weekend and just for nostalgia purposes and long story short opening morning it was cold and frosty um you know there was frost on the couple of windows that remained frost all over my vortex my nozzler and uh i was just sitting there being so appreciative of the fact that I have this, the hunting heritage I have with my dad, the fact I've had this beautiful place to come hunt all these years, how sad it would be that we wouldn't be able to, you know, be up there anymore, but how, just gratitude. I was just feeling so much gratitude for two decades of being up there. And, you know, we've shot a couple of decent, but I've, I've, that was I've shot three or four nice 130 style whitetail with my bow over the years, but that's a big deer for up there, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, like I said, there's no food plots, trail cameras. It was kind of like, oh, there's a deer, you know. And anyway, long story short, I saw this buck through the woods and he was trailing a doe and he was about 150 yards away. I threw him my glass up and I just remember thinking, ooh, shooter, like that's exciting. I hope someone sees him like and five. And I just kind of go back, you know, your heart rate surges and go back to kind of relaxing. It wasn't five minutes later. I hear of the leaves underneath me. And I look out the window and there he is. And he, I mean, I couldn't even like get my gun low enough. He literally walked right under my tree stand, walked around, 
I had to get up off my crickety old church chair, get into the back window. This buck walked out. He's about 30. I could have shot him with my bow 30 yards. I grunt at him to stop him. He looks back up at me. I shoot. He runs behind a pine. And I literally was like, did that, did that just happen? Like, I've never seen a deer like that up there on my dad's place, much less get an opportunity at him. And all of this is in my Instagram story highlights. If anyone wants to go back in and watch, it's kind of funny because I, I, I'm by myself. There's no cameras. I'm just enjoying the weekend. I cell phoned a lot of it, but I'm not the kill, but um, I walk up on that deer and it's a, the most beautiful 170 inch class whitetail. It wow. is just all the, and it only has a 12 inch spread. So mind you, he's like this, but he's just got so much going on. Yeah. yeah. He's technically 169 and two eighths, I believe. But anyway, it was, it was monster. Yeah. It was just a beautiful deer. It's so special to share that with my dad and everybody. What a great way to say goodbye to that place. He's on my wall right now. I'm looking at him and um, it just meant so much to me. And sometimes, even though my career is filming hunts and, you know, sharing it with people, sometimes just being out there all alone um, is just magical. And for those uh, people that don't think God pays attention, he pays attention. I got you know. and I'm probably going to cry saying this story. It's so beautiful. So mind you, that was a really tough time in my life. Um, I, I just ended a, uh, 10 year relationship. It was very difficult for me at the time. And I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And I just went back to have the weekend with my dad. And I was at shot show. What? Uh, two months later, having lunch with my friend, Brandon Lilly. And I was, he's just this soulful spiritual kind of guy. And I was telling him, he's like, tell me about that buck. And I was telling him the story. And I said, when I was down there on the ground by myself, just spinning this rack and tears were streaming. And I was feeling so grateful. I said, it was like, it was like the woods were glowing. And without skipping a beat, Brandon said, Jana, did you ever think that you were the one making those woods glow? Mm. And it just was like, it was like a really special moment. And, and that's right. You know, we forget about that. Um, you know, that's what the woods do. They give you that it's, yeah, it's adrenaline and it's exciting and we're out there to notch tags, but if nothing in my life has ever given me peace, like hunting, like that downtime in hunting and that reflection time. And I think hunting has taught me more about myself than anything else in my life. Well, what a great story. Uh, one other thing I want to touch on with you before we leave, uh, we have another mutual friend. Um, you've now stumbled into another relationship. I hear you're now dating God. <laughs> <laughs> and those, <laughs> and, you know, the, and people that watch McMillan River Adventures will fully understand this. Um, so in the in the last few years, uh, the way Sean and I were telling the story is the there was a narrator on McMillan River and we were basically telling life stories, Sean's mine, just in general. And um, the narrator is none other than uh, John Bear. Um, but we had, we didn't title John, John was untitled, right? So it was just, there was a narrator. We didn't say who it was, but the way the narrator spoke on the show, it was like God talking, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, you know, I, I made this sunset, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so now you're obviously, uh, spending uh, quite a lot of time with John. Congratulations on that, oh, by the way. Thank you very much. Yeah. He's just a great guy. Um, 
The only downside about him is that he lives in Utah. I live in Montana and uh, I neither. That may not be a downside, Janet. There may be some positive there. (laughs) It could be the key to our relationship. I'm not sure. But I do miss him dearly when I'm up here in Montana. Um, But I'm I'm lucky enough that with my schedule, I can make trips down there quite a bit. In fact, I was blessed to draw a Wasatch bear tag this year. So I have four bear tags this spring. Good for and, you. Uh, yeah. and so, uh, yeah, next week I'll be uh, driving down there and spending a week with him and his friend TJ Pace and uh, going after a Wasatch bear. So, you know, uh, John tells a funny story. Uh, when he started doing McMillan River, he was on a job site and a buddy said, do you watch uh, McMillan River Adventures? And John goes, uh, yeah, yeah, I do. And he goes, you know, that the guy that narrates that sounds a lot like you. <laughs> and of course, Sean and I had swore him to secrecy. He was like, oh, yeah, kind of does. You know what do you say? You know, but, uh, you know, he's quite a, 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 a prolific hunter in his own right. And and for those that don't know, John is just uh, just an ardent conservationist. I mean, he does so much. I mean, his involvement, uh, he takes his hands on conservation seriously from predator management to the time that he donates uh, his his extremely talented auctioneer skills to yep. all these organizations. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, he's a great, great guy. He really is. And people don't even might they might not know his, all the time that he donates. I mean, the last 20, 25 years. I mean, he was for Utah. He is so passionate about Utah wildlife. He was on all of it donating time too. like he was on the rack board for eight years. I believe he was on the Utah wildlife board for six years. He's still on a different bunch of chapters, landowners associations. All of, and all of that is his free time that he right. donates much less the auctions that he does, um, you know, for conservation, all the millions that he has raised that go right back to protecting what we love, whether it's protecting the animals, fighting for the habitat, you know, fighting in the courts, like it's yep. all goes back to protecting what we love. And yeah, I'm really proud of him. He's, he's not only a great person, but he is truly a great conservationist. Yeah. And when I founded, uh, you know, Hunter Nation, you know, I mean, John, he was, you know, first in line. To, yeah. to help. What can I do? You know, how do, how do I help? And I mean, I give you credit too, Jana, you, you, you as well. I mean, you know, I told you we weren't going to get into any politics and I'm not, but I mean, even as late as last week, I mean, you're throwing your shoulder behind issues that really matter in the hunting world. And, I, and on behalf of Hunter Nation, I do want to thank you for, you know, one, how you portray hunting and hunters, uh, because you are just a perfect example of what's right with our lifestyle. And you're not afraid to stand up and speak out on behalf of hunting and hunting rights. And, and, I, and I thank you for that. Well, I thank you. It truly is uh, my greatest passion in life. And uh, if I wouldn't have been introduced to it at such a young age, I, you know, I, I don't know what people ask me, well, what do you do when you're not hunting or fishing? I'm, like, I'm always hunting or fishing. Like yeah. I, besides my skull work, that is what I do, you know, and I've been really blessed to have an amazing career at it. And, uh, but it, it, it's, it's truly, I always refer back to this, but it's truly about that movie or documentary called The Secret, that what what energy you put out there comes back at you, it, otherwise known as karma, but it's how the world works. It truly is. And I have just been so blessed and so lucky. And yeah, I donate a lot of my artwork and a lot of my time, but that energy has come back at me tenfold. And it's just, it's just I feel so blessed to have such an amazing passion because a lot of people I know don't. 
Well, Jana, those of us that get to watch you, we're the blessed ones because a lot of the adventures that you go on, most of us will never be able to in our lifetime. You tell the story so perfectly. Want to thank you for that. Want to thank you for everything that you do. Thanks for joining, uh, joining us here on Right on the Mark podcast. And I hope we can get you back again some other time. Absolutely. It's been a total pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Jana. Stay around and uh, we'll wrap it up. Josh and I'll have some closing thoughts right after this. Right on the Mark is brought to you in part by Hunter Nation. Hunter Nation defends all of our traditional American values, God, family, country, conservation, and our hunting lifestyle. Join the unified voice of the American hunter by visiting HunterNation.org today. Welcome back to Right on the Mark podcast. And I don't know about you, Josh, but uh, boy, Jana Waller, how inspirational. Oh, for sure. And don't let her her donation. She kind of just brushed by that. She's donated over $75,000 in heads. So she just brushed right past right. that and never went about it. But that's a lot of money toward conservation and veteran organizations. Well, when you think about all that she does to give back to this lifestyle, mm-hmm. I mean, from the mentoring that he, that she does with you. And the kids, passion. Oh, the, the passion for yes. sure. But just think about the time. She pops in to mm-hmm. hunter education classes. She mentors young, young children, young girls. Mm-hmm. She donates hours and hours of time at these shows, you know, right. at these expos. And then, I mean, the time that she spends with uh, our, our disabled right. American veterans, which, of course, you and I, I mean, that's near and dear to our mm-hmm. heart. I mean, it's just incredible. And not for the publicity of it. She does it to to further the sport or bring joy to someone. That's right. She doesn't do it for personal gain or anything like that. She does it to help the sport of hunting, help uh, a veteran that is is hurting or lost limbs or whatever. She's doing it to help them and not help herself. And you know what? I mean, just selfishly, I I love her program. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, when you watch her on there, I mean, it's literally, and this is, I'm jealous because, Mm -hmm. you know, when we did McMillan river, I wanted the viewers to feel like they were floating down the right. McMillan River, or when we were getting charged by moose, that they felt like they mm-hmm. were getting charged by moose. And I hope we did that a little bit. Well, I tell you, she does it. I mean, I'm there and I feel like I'm part of it. Right. And, and her variety. She hunts from Alaska yep. to Maryland to Texas. And and she's hunting moose or alligator gar or sturgeon. Or yep. I mean, it's, it's a mixture Bow, of everything. Gun. Yes. I mean, she's, you know, she's just the, the real deal, right. as they say. No doubt. No doubt. And now, remember that the show is brought to you by Hunter Nation. And if you are not part of Hunter Nation, I encourage you to go to HunterNation.org. That's HunterNation.org. Check out all the amazing things that Hunter Nation is involved in right now. Battles all across the country trying to protect our hunting lifestyle, our hunting rights, this hunting tradition that we have. It's HunterNation.org. If you're not a member, you need to join now. Come back next time. We'll have more Right on the Mark podcast. Right on the Mark invites you to like, share, and subscribe today. The views and opinions expressed on Right on the Mark are not necessarily those of our hosts, guests, or sponsors. Right on the Mark is produced at Hunter Nation Studios and is the property of Bow and Arrow Productions, produced in conjunction with BLT Productions. Copyright 2021. 